The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Good morning and welcome to Financial Issues. I'm your host, Shana Burt, and we're here live today. Unless, of course, you're listening to us outside of the hours of 8 a.m. Central Time and 9 o'clock Eastern Time. We do have a lot of stations where we replay. If you want to hear us live, call your radio station and ask us, ask them to put us on live or go get our phone app or watch on our website, financialissues.org. You can get the phone app from Android or Apple, and you can have us with you wherever you go. So you can listen live, or you can go back and listen whenever it's convenient for you. If you're listening on an AFR station on a Saturday morning, ask AFR to put us back into our normal spot that we had prior to uh, Dan's passing, which was 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. They're still considering whether or not they want to do that. So if they hear from you and you tell them that you want to hear financial issues, they are likely to be responsive. So you can call or email them and just let them know that you want us back on. Well, we've got quite a bit of economic news to recap, so I'll just jump right to that. You know, last week we saw the PPI numbers. Last Friday we saw the PPI numbers come in softer than expected, which is a good thing. That is uh, the data that the Fed is looking at to make decisions about their rate increasing policy. The CPI, which is the other gauge for inflation, PPI is for producers, CPI is for consumers, and it did come in weaker uh, than expected, which is a good thing as far as um, keeping the uh, getting the Fed to start moderating those rate increases. So CPI came in for the month of November core number at 6% and 7.1% for headline inflation. So core inflation is 6%, like I just said. That's still three times higher than the Fed's target rate of 2%, which is what we experienced for a couple of decades prior to um, right before the pandemic. So, but it is moving in the right direction. The Fed is not convinced. They need to see more months of moderating inflation before they will take aggressive action, which will probably put them in the camp of um, being behind the curve again. But they did reduce uh, their expectation of rate hikes in line with what Fed's uh, Fed Chair Powell said he would do in the speech that he gave if inflation came in uh, as they were expecting to see, which it pretty much did. So the Fed decision for rates came out and they hiked rates 50 basis points to a range of 4.25% to 5%. That's the highest that we've seen these rates since 2007. And it's also probably, I don't know if it's the fastest pace, but if it's not, it's it's up there. Uh, the fastest pace to get from near zero, which is what we had in March, to what we have now, which is that four and a quarter to four and a half percent range. That's just nine months. The rate has zoomed from zero to that four and a quarter, four and a half percent rate. It's also the seventh consecutive rate increase this year, and it places interest rates firmly in restrictive territory. Well, what does that mean, restrictive territory? Well, it restricts access to capital or the desire to access capital. For companies, um, they mostly don't care right now because their balance sheets are flush with cash. They've been doing stock buybacks. They have lots of money to invest in their company, which they don't want to do right now um, in all of this recession talk. So increasing rates tends to bring on a slowdown in the economy and sometimes leads to a recession. It makes it hard for new businesses and small businesses to get access to capital for growth because they have to do so at much higher borrowing cost. For individuals, it puts us into somewhat of a hunker down 
and stay put mode. Uh, speaking of hunker down mode, you know, when we think the economy is going into recession or we think the economy is slowing down, um, we, we think that companies may stop hiring or start laying off. Uh, we start looking at the resources that we have and really trying to conserve those. Uh, speaking of hunker down, retail sales numbers came out, and retail sales in the U.S. Dec- declined 0.6% month over month in November of 22. Now, that's a pretty big number, considering last month we saw an increase of one3 3%. So you consider the spread between up 1.3 to down 0.6, that's a pretty good bit. Um, it was much worse at 0.6% than the market had forecast, uh, which was a decline of 0.1%. The biggest drops this year are with sales of furniture, building materials, motor vehicles, and these fell mostly during the holiday season. Other decreases were also seen in electronic stores, uh, Retailers, sporting goods, hobby, musical instruments, and books, gasoline stations, and general merchandising stores. In contrast to that, increases were actually seen in sales at food services and drinking places, food and beverage stores, health and personal care stores, and miscellaneous retailers. Um, Data for November does include the Black Friday and Cyber Monday Um, during which we saw a lot of retailers offered big discounts. So this drop points to a slowdown in consumer spending amid high inflation and high interest rates. Higher rates also impact the labor markets, or at least what the Fed hopes that it will impact those labor markets. Uh, In these uh, circumstances, we become hesitant to change jobs because people fear becoming the low man on the totem pole in case there are layoffs. They would probably be first to go. So we become hesitant to take on new debt as far as like buying cars or other, you know, um, boats or ATVs or things like that. And buying houses as we've seen the rates increase in mortgage for mortgages to a huge degree, stifling the housing industry. So our discretionary spending is further curtailed, um, not only by the fear that I just mentioned, but also by increases in what we have to spend just for the necessities like housing. So the median rent went from, in 2019, it went from 1643 a month to, in 2022, $2,002 a month. That's a 21% increase in the cost of rents. The average rate for the 30-year mortgage, depending on which number that you look at, we're going to look at the data from uh, from Freddie Mac. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate dropped to 6.33% this week. Now, that was from a high of 7.08 earlier this year, but... It's more than double what it was a year ago. So that has made the cost of buying homes dramatically higher. So as far as future guidance, the Fed pretty much rules out the possibility of rate cuts for 2023. But they also say that a soft landing is not out of the question. Well, I have a lot more to say about all of that. Maybe we'll get to it in the next part of the show, but we do have Craig Halgert coming on live with us today. So he's going to have some really interesting things to say. We hope that you'll stay tuned. We also hope that if you're looking for some stability in your fixed income and you want to do some kingdom giving, some permanent kingdom giving, you'll go to the AFA Foundation and check out their charitable gift annuity program. With a charitable gift annuity, you can get some fixed income for life. You can make a gift into the work that the foundation does, and you can also get a tax deduction. So we hope that you will go there or give them a call, ask them how it works and how it could fit into the planning that you're doing to secure some income for the years that you retire. Well, I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come right back and hear from Craig Halger.
I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And, and to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to, to take, take care, care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple, temple of, of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, no. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at myccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. Never be without quality, God-honoring entertainment. Always at your fingertips and within your view. In your home and on the go. You'll never be without FISM TV. Watch financial issues. Outspoken. FISM News and more God-honoring TV right where you are. Tune in to FISM TV anywhere, anytime. I would like to thank you very much for giving me the impetus to consolidate my portfolio into one advisor. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. Everything fell into place. I felt so much peace and the consistent ethic. There is a certain contentment that everything will be fine. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I hope that you're enjoying our Christmas bumper music there. I know I am. And it just reminds us that we are to stay in the Christmas spirit. Let's keep Christ at the forefront of our thoughts. Let's remember that this time of year that it's not about the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, under the tree, but it's more about the presence, E-N-C-E. Presence. <laughs> I think I spelled that wrong, but uh, Emmanuel, God with us. That is what this time of year is all about. So we ponder the first coming of Christ as a baby in the manger who lived a sinless life, went to a cross, and died for our sins so that we can have eternal life. Now our focus shifts more to the second and third weeks as we look forward to the second coming. And boy, you know, Jesus told us before he left that there were going to be signs of the times. And we see those so clearly when we look at what's happening in the ag and the commodities market. So I'm so glad today to have Craig Haugert with us to talk about some of those things. So, Craig, welcome. Well, thank you very much. It, uh, really appreciated the lead, and you're absolutely right. We uh, It does seem like we're, we're seeing signs of the times. And and certainly want to keep our our focus on the right thing during the Christmas season and not um, just giving gifts, but to really celebrate the ultimate gifts. That's right. Best gift ever given. Well, 
you know, we dodged that railroad strike, and that was a, a good thing that we dodged the strike. And won't really go down the rabbit trails of, of um, whether or not the government should have been involved or not. But well, what about these drafts? <laughs> right. But it is what it is, right? So what it about these drought is. conditions that we've been watching um, happen on the Mississippi River? What can you tell us about the developments there? Well, that's uh, an ongoing story, and it really has, I think, impacted, certainly it's impacted barge uh, rates, uh, you know, when you can only load a barge half full and uh, and you, you slow down the whole process. We, we have seen barge freight rates do some crazy things. Now, this time of year, it starts to slow down, especially when you look at the upper Mississippi and the way the Missouri River feeds in and whatnot. Um, with, uh, with things freezing up, it, it tends to slow down. And so it's not being talked about as much, but it's still a very big concern. A lot of the question will be, are we going to get um, recharge the water levels up in the in the upper uh, Midwest uh, this winter so that, uh, you know, when when spring comes and snow starts melting, that we'll, we'll get that flow back up where it should be. But right now, at least, it, it's a continuing concern. And, and the other thing I would add, um, and I apologize, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me here, but we did dodge the rail strike um, but i believe that they start negotiating on the on the next contract in january of 24 so we kicked the can down the road a little mm. bit but i think that's a story that's going to continue to be with us in in the coming uh, months as well yep i agree well what's going on internationally that we need to be aware of particularly in south america well it's kind of an interesting time of year obviously the u.s crop has been harvested now and and so the the attention of the trade kind of shifts in large part from what's going on in the u.s because that's kind of a known at this point uh, from a production standpoint and, and it shifts down to the south america uh, obviously south america is a huge continent so you've got uh, beans in brazil for example it'll start getting harvested within the next 30 days well in portions of argentina they're they're still just getting the crop planted um I think Argentina right now, it looks like about 37% of the bean crop is planted. And they're planting this in pretty dry conditions. If you look at Argentina, there's some real drought concerns there. If you look at southern Brazil, there's some drought concerns. But if we look at where uh, the majority of the crop is growing in, in Brazil, uh, they've had really ideal weather. And, and so right now it appears that um, we're going to have a record crop uh, in South America in general particularly in Brazil, right now uh, the expectation is that soybean production is going to show a little over a 22% year-over-year increase in Brazil. And that's a, that's a huge number when they already were the, the largest bean producer uh, in, the, in the world. And they're about a 12% production year-over-year increase uh, in corn production in Brazil. So with American farmers with grain to sell here, um, you really need to be cognizant not just only of, of what our carry-out numbers are, but also what's going on from a world perspective and what that means for exports. Um, I think from an export perspective, as I said, the, the production here in the United States is tied up, and, and we know what that number is. The only way we can change kind of our, our carry-out numbers would be better or, or poorer exports than what the USDA is projecting. And right now for Corn Channel, we're on the third slowest export pace in the last 20 years. Um mm. The last USDA report, USDA re- reduced corn exports by 75 million bushels. Uh, there's some analysts that I visit with that think they need to trim another 150 million bushels off of that. That would take our ending stocks up to about a one, little over 1.4 billion bushels and would, would probably set prices back quite a bit from the current levels. Mm. So what else is happening? What is, else is important for us to know in the world of agriculture regarding fertilizer, soybeans? Well, I think you just told us some of the soybeans and grain, but what about the fertilizer? Fertilizer is still relatively high price, though in general it's trading lower than it they did, did a year ago. I, I think the overall story probably from an agricultural perspective, and I was reading a, a report by CoBank today, which is a bank for agricultural cooperatives, that um, you know, the last couple of years, from a profitability standpoint for farmers, has, has been pretty good. Uh, in some cases, record good. Uh, but as we look forward with uh, still some supply chain issues, 
relatively strong fertilizer prices, so they are backing off a little bit, um, and a potential for an increasing world supply, which is going to pressure, in theory, to pressure grain prices. I, I think for our farmers out there, it, it's you really need to be thinking about risk management and do I need to be booking next year's crops or a portion of them already? And we've got a chance to sell next November soybean futures at close to $14 a bushel. Uh, we've got corn uh, close to $6 a bushel. And you look at, at corn, it's a dollar and two cents per bushel right now. Next year's new crop price, higher than it has averaged for at this time of year for the last five years. So I, I think there's some opportunities uh, for people that are, are forward-looking and and are willing to sell a crop before they put it in the ground. Uh, but I, I think this next year for farmers is all going to be about risk management and, and just uh, maybe not knocking out of the park, but making sure that they're live to farm another year when the smoke clears on this thing. Mm. Yeah, our farmers and ranchers are, are really, you know, the backbone of this of this uh, country, and they're some of the hardest working people that I know. And so we really appreciate all that they do. And all of the hurdles that they that seems like they are constantly up against. But, you know, one of President Biden's favorite things to do was to blame all of this inflation that we're seeing on the war in Ukraine. You know, he, he called everything for a long time Putin's price hikes on everything. Right. So, um, can you give us any updates on what's happening from as fallout from the war in Ukraine um, in the ag world? You know, it's, it's been kind of interesting, I think, um, from an export perspective and from a, a production perspective. You know, they, they struck the deal, or Turkey kind of put that deal together, where Ukrainians could export grain out of the terminals that, that Russia was controlling. Um, and that's worked and not worked. You know, I think it was a week ago, uh, one of the major facilities got the, the, the energy source for the export facility was hit by rocket attacks from Russia. So it's just a lot of uncertainty and nervousness there. I think the bigger story, and it's probably a wheat and to a lesser degree a corn story, is what's going to happen with production. Um, we're already kind of expecting maybe 50% less crop growing there than we did a year ago. Uh, and talking to some analysts, they think it could be as much as down 75%. Some of the other things that uh, people were concerned about, of course, was fertilizer coming out of Russia, but it, it seems like um, we're very good as, as governments, not just the U.S. government, governments in general, about uh, some righteous indignation until it starts to impact us financially. And so we had all these people saying they were going to trade with Russia, but when push comes to shove, there's a lot of back alley deals being made and, and, and products still flowing. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll be really interesting to see how uh, Europe survives the winter um, if Russia puts the screws to them from an energy standpoint. But I think that's a story that's going to continue to cause a lot of uncertainty and, and volatility and not just the egg market, but probably all markets. Mm, yeah, that's good stuff. Well, we, we always so appreciate. Is there anything else that you find just fascinating that you think we need to be aware of here at Financial Issues? You know, I, I think we've, we've really kind of covered the highlights. It's, this time of year, it tends to slow down a little bit. Like I said, we're, we're done harvesting the U.S. and attention turns more to production issues in South America and, and exports. So um, right now there's nothing else really on my radar screen, but uh, there is. Great. We'll certainly be talking about it in future uh, future uh, programs. Great. Well, we appreciate you being so faithful to bring us those updates every single day, and I always enjoy getting to visit with you live on the program. So thanks for coming in today. And, it was you know, my pleasure. We'll we'll be listening as we continue on uh, in this Christmas season. I just want to remind you that, you know, as we hear of these wars, rumors of wars, food insecurities, um, all of these natural disasters, the weather disasters and all of that, we are reminded of the birth pains. This world is passing away. Our Savior is going to come back a second time. This time he's going to come back as a victorious warrior and a political figure that's going to reign on this earth for a thousand years. So let us use this Advent season to prepare our hearts for what is to come. And as we feel so grateful for the for receiving the greatest gift that was ever given, which is God sending his only son 
to the world to save us from our sins and give us an opportunity to live in eternity with Him, let us pay that forward. Let us share the generosity that we have in our hearts with everybody else. One way that you can do that is to go to India Partners and contribute to the work that they're doing in India. You can go to our website, financialissues.org. Uh, On the right-hand side there, you'll see a little boy holding a chicken. You can click on that, and you can look at their Christmas magazine. So you can, our catalog, you can make a gift into the work that they're doing there. There's so many different programs that you can choose from. Water, um, giving gifts of sewing machines and goats and um, rescuing children from the flesh trade. There's so many different things that you can give to. So we just encourage you to check that out and Be generous with them this Christmas season. Well, I'm your host, Shanna Burt. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back with more financial issues. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Securities offered through G.A. Reppel & Company, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of G.A. Reppel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Welcome back to Financial Issues. Uh, let's get to some of these questions from social. Yep, good stuff. Let's start with this one here from Sherry from Texas saying, Good morning, I'm a partner of seven years, inquiring about how to invest the funds from the sale of my mom's primary home, which would be about $300,000. She's 79, only has a $70,000 annuity and 2100 in pension. Thank you, God bless, Merry Christmas. What should she do with that, Shanna? Well, Sherry, the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to take a look at at your mom's needs. Um, I don't I, I don't know what kind of health she's in. You know how long you, that you might be expecting her to live. We all know that the, only the Lord knows that. But I would say that you would want to make sure that you're preserving as much of that money as you can to help meet her her needs. So I don't know if the twenty one hundred dollars in pension is enough to pay for everything that she needs or not, but I would be very conservative with that. So I would put back quite a bit, like if she, I would look at what her excess is, like if she has expenses in excess of what her income is, then, you know, I would keep at least two years of that just in liquid money. So just uh, savings or maybe a money market 
with uh, another little chunk of it, you could build a pretty decent uh, CD ladder right now. If you if you get some one, two, and three year CDs, check out the rates locally. You can also check out the rates at Christian Community Credit Union. They offer some pretty good rates for CDs. So you could uh, look there. And then if you suspect that there's going to be some money that she could that she would not likely ever spend, that's where you can start to look at some of the equity portfolio. So, you know, I would focus more for her on the income strategy. If you're a partner, you can go there and see what that asset allocation is. And you can, after you carve out that short-term money and set it aside, then you can look at what's left and follow that income strategy. Awesome, Shanna. Let's get to some of these Ask Shanna questions here now from the website. Eldon is the first one here saying, I thank God for you and the FISM team. I see you introduced six new fixed income instruments recently. They all show less than a 1% dividend yield. I can currently get 3.75% for my uninvested cash. My question is, why would I want to buy any bond funds at this time? Thanks. Keep up the good work. It's a good question, Shanna. What do you think? Great question. Well, let me just address the first part of it there. They're not new fixed income. So we just changed the name of that category to fixed income to more accurately reflect what's found in that category because previously we had cash and what we called kind of cash equivalents in the same category. And I think that created a little bit of confusion with the partners as to what they should really have there. So we renamed those cash equivalents as fixed income. And in that fixed income, we're trying to make notes now as to whether or not they're short-term, intermediate-term, or long-term. So the risk that you have with fixed income is interest rate risk. Rates are going to go up and they're going to go down. Now that impacts the price of the fixed income uh, fund or the individual fixed income, um, if you're looking at individual bonds. So, um, CDs do also fit into there. They're going to fit on the short-term end. If you get some of the longer ones, if you can find some decent rates on five-year CD rates, um, you know, you could consider that part of the intermediate, but you want to have a good mix there. So if, you know, if you would rather build your own portfolio, your own fixed income portion of your portfolio with CDs, I've got no problem with that. But with the bond funds, what you're going to do, it's, it's a little bit difficult to navigate through building a bond portfolio because you have to know a lot about the issuer. You have to know whether or not, you know, what their credit quality is. Then you're going to want to get into whether or not they're biblically responsible. So using a bond fund is the, is the best way that we found to fill that part of the portfolio. So um, when you're looking at fixed income, fixed income is an asset class, and to be properly diversified, you need to have some exposure there. Now, the financial issue strategy is more heavily weighted towards equity than it is to income. We've just been in this really long cycle of low interest rates And when you're in a rising interest rate environment, what happens to bond prices is that they go down. There's an inverse relationship there. So we've seen a lot of these bond funds come down in price, um, making a good entry point. As rates continue to go higher, the the prices will struggle a little bit. But at some point, we're going to shift gears and go back into a rising interest rate environment. So it offers diversification. And you also have the potential for, I won't call it growth, but some price appreciation in that fixed income area. Awesome, Shanna. Good stuff. Next one here is from Will saying, Hi, Shanna. CD11 has been consistently paying a dividend for the last two years. At the current share price, the dividend has an attractive yield. It's uh, it's greater than 4.2%. Uh, since CD11 is on the buy list, is it okay for me to consider it an income stock purchase at the current price? For reference, I generally only purchase foundational and income stocks within my Roth brokerage, but I'm hoping to add CD11. Uh, he does not say how old he is, Shanna. Okay, so CD11 would not be a blue stock. That's why it's not colored blue. 
it is a small company. So there is that element of risk there that, um, you know, they can see some instability in their in their business activities, which could impact future dividends. So if you're if you typically only buy foundational or the income stocks, it sounds like you you should you gravitate more toward the large and mid cap, then I would maybe shy away from this one. If you do want to add the exposure, make sure that you understand the risk that it is a small company. Um, dividends can uh, fluctuate in the future. So take a limited um, position in it if you do go there. Very nice, Jenna. Good stuff. The next one here we've got is Katie. She's saying, I'm a newer partner wanting to maximize potential opportunities due to recent circumstances. I'm 41 years old, lost my job this year due to vaccine mandates, and have since sold my home back in March. I've been reallocating my cash into BRI options per your advice. I'm currently unemployed, but thought it might be a good time to do a Roth conversion since I have uh, cash from the home sale to cover taxes and no income. Uh, So the advice she's looking for is essentially on amount to convert and strategy. I didn't qualify for Roth IRA contributions because of prior income level, and I expect to be near that level again or higher in the future once I'm employed uh, sometime in 2023, likely. I don't have any debt. My total retirement is over $400,000. What do you think, Shanna? Well, Katie, it sounds like you're in a a very good uh, window of opportunity to get some money moved over from your pre-tax accounts into a Roth. So yes, I would definitely pursue considering a Roth conversion. And the way that you're going to want to go about doing that is to look at what your total income is for 2022 and then see what tax bracket that puts you in. It didn't say if she's married or single, but you're going to want to go, if you have somebody that helps you with your taxes, which I would suspect that you would, go to them and ask them, uh, tell them what you've got so far this year in income, where that's going to put you, uh, which tax bracket that's going to put you in. And I would certainly suggest converting anything up to the end of the 12% tax bracket that you can do. That's kind of a no-brainer. But even consider going into the 22% bracket. And the reason that I say that is because, you know, Katie's young. She's 41 years old. She's been in a high-tax bracket. When she gets reemployed, she's going to be in a high-tax bracket again. So really the only... Um, option that she's going to have to get money into the, the Roth kind of IRA accounts is to convert it. And you want to do that at the lowest tax rate possible. So I would consider going up to the end of that 22% bracket. But of course, that's going to be up to you as to you know how much tax you're willing to pay. But at 41 years old, it's uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic that we're going to see lower tax rates than what we're seeing Right now, I'm not a little pessimistic. I'm a lot pessimistic that we're going to see low tax rates continue because, you know, at the next election cycle, if it goes back uh, blue, we're going to see some tax increases like we've never seen before because we're going to continue to see out-of-control spending. And the only way to fund spending, remember, the government doesn't pay for anything. Taxpayers pay for it. So um, I just think you're in a a very unique situation, an interesting opportunity to get some things uh, shifted around. And I hope that you get some good advice and take it. So, well, folks, we're going to be coming up on a short break here. When we come back, I have a few more thoughts to wrap up. So we hope that you will stick with us until the end of the program. We're going to take a short break and then we'll come back with some more Christmas music. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. 
Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Did you know that an average 1.2 million babies are aborted each year? Listen, we have an opportunity at Financial Issues to change that, and we're doing it. Tens of thousands of lives have been saved because of Financial Issues listeners just like you. For $140, you could save the lives of five babies. All $140 goes to the Pregnancy Center to sponsor ultrasounds. 80% of the time, these ultrasounds will change the mind of a young lady that is considering abortion to choose life. Would you join us in the fight against the atrocity of abortion? I hope that you'll go to preborn.org or call pound 250. The keyword is baby when you're asked. Preborn.org. That's preborn.org. All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit indiapartners.org to see how your your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these five million children. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. Every day, people are blessed by the work done here at Financial Issues. You have been an answer to my prayer when I pray for over a year to look for somebody like you. I encourage everybody who don't even have the money, who's thinking about investing, to go into become members and start learning from your site just to see how it works. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Welcome back to Financial Issues. We're going to spend the last part of the show answering a bunch of questions because they're kind of building up. If you're not a partner, you can become a partner. Uh, it's very easy to do. You just go to our website and become a partner. It's $85 a year for the basic partnership, $124 if you want to use the portfolio tracker. If you're going to be managing your own portfolio, you really do need that. So, I mean, it's a great way. It's not that much more to, to lock in that premium price uh, right now. You can also gift a partnership as well for somebody else that might um, benefit to hear what financial issues has to say. So let's get right to those social and website questions. Good stuff, Shanna. Yeah, let's do it. First one here, this is a great one that came in from Friday. Uh, Kenneth from Arizona saying, good morning, I'm almost 65 following the model and now I find myself 20% over in cash. Are C36 and C70 considered fixed income? And then he has a follow-up, Shanna, with this type of fund, is cost averaging still needed or can I just do a large buy? I like Timothy funds, uh, but I do find their charges kind of high. What do you think, Shanna? Okay, so the two that you mentioned there are very, very similar. One is um, is managed by one company. One is managed by a different company, but they're essentially the same type of fund, so don't do both. The reason that they're both on the buy list, and yes, they are in the fixed income category, but the reason that they are both in the buy list is because we want you to use the 
um, the one that's managed by the brokerage that you use. So, for example, if you use Fidelity, they may charge you extra to buy the, the Schwab or the Vanguard version and vice versa. So only pick one of those, and you can you can tell real easily by the, the word in the name of the fund. Uh, so make sure you diversify between the different types there. Now might also, for the fixed income part, now's a, a pretty good time to build a short-term CD ladder. Uh, maybe a one, two, and a three-year CD. CDs would also be considered inflation-protected. Uh, I'm sorry, not inflation-protected, but fixed income. Or you might <clears throat> have purchased those I-bonds from Treasury Direct, and that also fits. So make sure you diversify that fixed income part of your um, portfolio, but don't do both C36 and C70. Awesome, Shanna. Very nice. Let's get to some of these website questions here. First one is David saying, should the telecommunications stocks, uh, those under the broad list, be listed under the technology sector in our allocation models? He's 55, just for reference. Mm-hmm. So the um, if you're 55, they, the, the TL sector, telecom sector, has only been in the income model um, for as far back as I can remember. So you can put them there. They don't really go there. They really are something different. But if you're 55, I would code them to other and uh, think of a way to a plan to divest yourself from that sector and just focus on the asset allocation that you're following. Um, even in the income sector, uh, income model, that sector is no longer there. So I mean, you technically could can you, you could put them in the technology sector, but they are different. Like whenever you go and look at the different industries and sub industries that most of most financial professionals follow, they are different. Awesome, Shanna. Good stuff. I think we got time for at least one more here before we get to a call. Uh, Craig is asking about a specific company that I can name if you'd like, or I can let you name it. Uh, it's on the buy list. And then he's asking about the ETF that's kind of associated to it. Would it also be worth buying? He's just curious, and he's 70 years old. If you want me to explain it, I can, or if you want to just go for it, feel free. Okay, there was another question along those same lines that that referenced that same that same company. That, I think same, it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to see where that it's, one is. It's UT40, okay. and got it. It's Jared's question there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you, if you want to read it, I can kind yeah, of do both sure. at the same time. So he's a new member, and he's building his portfolio in the 55-65. He sees UT40's fallen 18. percent Seems like the drop is at least partially due to its acquisition of a smart home company and its debt, which seems to be a change of business model. Is it a good buy? He's 56. Yeah. So, you know, only only time will tell if it's a good a good purchase. Um, long term, it could be a good strategy, but for now, there's more questions than answers. So I'll put a little bit of commentary up on the website for the partners there because it has been on the buy list. So we did take it off. That doesn't mean that you need to sell it. So it is still paying a good dividend as long as they can keep that dividend up and you're an income investor or, you know, in that retirement um, age group, then you should keep it. Now, if you've got more than one and a half percent of your overall portfolio in it, maybe you need to trim it a little bit. But I would, I would, I would give it just a little bit of time because, as always, the market tends to overreact in the very beginning to um, any kind of news, whether they consider it good or bad. So I would wait and let the let the price stabilize just a little bit if you are going to consider selling it. But again, that's not the recommendation here. It's um, uh, The recommendation is just to hold it at this time. All right, let's get to some calls. We have Esther calling from Texas. Hi, Esther. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, my question is that I rolled my... Um, 401k over from uh, that company I was with over to uh, my uh, credit union, and uh, I haven't assigned it, it to any plan in any particular plan as of yet. And um, I will check in to see if you might have any advice where I can put it to where it can grow. I'm 65 and I'm still working, and I have no idea as to when I'm going to plan on retiring. Okay. 
Well, we actually have a strategy that our partners have access to. So if you're a partner, you can get on the website. There's a lot of great videos there as to how to get started. We do have some asset allocation models. So depending on how long you're going to keep working, you could look at that allocation model for the 55 to 65 or the 65 into retirement if you think that you're going to um, enter into retirement soon. So if you want to invest in a growth way, um, that's that's how you're going to do it. If you're at a credit union, it's going to depend on whether you're actually with the credit union or a lot of times credit unions will have financial organizations that work inside their branches, but they are not actually the credit union. So you need to make that distinction um, as well. And it's been my experience that lots of times they will recommend annuity type products. I'm not a fan of those. Um, they may or may not know what it means to be biblically responsible. So if you know, if you've been listening and you know what it means to avoid companies that will use your money to to promote an ungodly agenda and you want to stay away from that, you want to have some talks with them about, about that. It, it'll become very clear whether or not they know what it means to invest biblically responsibly. If they mention ESG, you can be sure that they don't understand biblically responsible investing at all because although they are both ESG and biblically responsible or BRI are both values-based investing, they are not the same thing at all. The values are much different. So for Biblically responsible investing, we're going to avoid companies that will use money that profit from or will use money to promote abortion, pornography, the LGBTQ plus alphabet soup agenda, human rights violations, and anti-family entertainment. The ESG investing has a much different value set. So they believe in inclusion and diversity. They believe in promoting the LGBTQ lifestyle, and they believe they have a a very, very heavy focus on saving the earth by avoiding fossil fuels and, you know, uh, pursuing this green agenda that is really wreaking havoc in the economies of the world. I mean, we're we're seeing that now as Eastern Europe is... um, heading into a winter and they've spent a lot of time investing in green energy that is just not going to provide them with the kind of energy that they need. So um, I would take a look at that. If you're a partner, it's really easy to do to go online. Make sure you listen to the partner conference call. Um, and if not, if, if you're looking for someone to help you with that, you could start where you are, ask them if they understand biblically responsible investing and get them to, to really explain to you what they plan to do, what the risks are that are associated with it. And um, if you if you want to get to someone who does know what biblically responsible investing is, um, you can email Pat and she can share with you the name of someone that can help you with that. Okay, because right now they are telling me something about an American fund, a capital, an American fund, so... Yeah. American funds is definitely not biblically responsible. Go to our website, whether you're a partner or not, just on the front page, go down the right hand side there. There's a a little wheel and you can screen the investments. So just ask them for the ticker symbol for the company for one of the American funds and you can put it in there and it will show you what your money will be invested in. So American funds is definitely not biblically responsible. Well, thanks for calling, Esther. We appreciate your call so much. Folks, we're up against the end of the program. Let's remember the real reason for the season. Let's let's remember that there is going to be a second coming. The master's coming back. Time is getting short. There's going to be a test. We're going to be asked to give an account of how we handle the time, talent, and treasure that God trusted us with. My prayer is that we be, we all be found good and faithful stewards. Well, I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. 
Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.